This week on Read Me a Poem, we have a special bonus episode, which was run on Smarty Pants, our sister podcast at The American Scholar, on Muriel Rukeyser, where I discuss Muriel Rukeyser with Stephanie Bastic and then read the poem Letter to the Front. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for talking to me, Amanda. It's my pleasure. So one of my contributions to the podcast is forwarding the many dozens of requests we get each month for poems to read. And I refuse to record If by Rudyard Kipling and a certain poem by Robert Frost. But uh, (laughs) one of the marvels of having such an international listenership is encountering so many poets that I'd never heard of, especially in other languages. Rabindranath Tagore, Fez Ahmed Fez, Farouk Farouk Saad, Vasco Popa, like the list goes on and on and on. And then... Much to my shame, there are American poets I have never heard of. And Muriel Rukeyser is one of them. Um, So what was your relationship with Rukeyser before encountering this poem? Well, I hadn't read much of her work. Um, In graduate school, I did take a class in the poetry of Witness, and I read Breaking Open and Rational Man. But no, um, I did not have a full grasp on the body of her work. Um, And I don't consider myself to be an expert even now. Part of me wonders if the difference in our encounters with her have to do with with age. You know, I was born right in the middle of her descent into obscurity in a way, you know, Mm. in the 90s. So, I mean, give us a spark notes of her life. When was she born? Where did she live? Did she belong to a particular period or school? Well, I read her in connection with Poets of Witness, She was born in 1913 in New York to Jewish-American parents. She had a good education. She studied at Vassar, although I don't think she completed her degree there. But at the age of 19, she went to Alabama to follow the Scottsboro Boys trial where nine black teenage boys were accused without any actual evidence of raping two white women. And she was jailed for her protests there in Alabama. She won the Yale Younger Poets Award in 1935 for her book, Theory of Flight. But then, um, a year after that, she was off in Spain when the Spanish Civil War broke out. In fact, she went to a number of different hotspots over her career. She was in um, Korea. She was in Vietnam um, with the poet Denise Levitov in 1972. And she was also jailed for her protests against the Vietnam War. But along the way, she also raised a child as a single mother, and she was a feminist. She was bisexual, and in addition to being a poet, she wrote several biographies and plays, and she was, for a time, the president of um, Penn America. Um, In her declining years, she suffered a series of strokes, um, and she died in 1980. But she influenced many American women poets, Alice Walker, Denise Levitov, Adrienne Rich, to name a few of them. And she's very highly regarded um, for her work as a poet and an activist. Yeah, those are all poets that I read regularly. So it's kind of like meeting the godmother of them all. Yes, well, I think um, Anne Sexton called her, you know, the godmother of us all, or words to that effect. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> what a coincidence. I mean, it's it's so interesting because it is incredibly difficult, I think, to write political poetry or to create political art period that isn't didactic in a way but her 
her poetry is unapologetically political, but at the same time, it is incredibly respected among people who don't write politically tinged poetry. Mm -hmm. Well, I think she was writing into the psychological truth of what she witnessed and experienced, into, you know, uh, human experience rather than in direct service to a particular ideology. Um, Yes, her poetry is about bearing witness to the plight of humanity in the first, as she put it, the first century of world wars, and also about the struggle to survive with your soul intact. And um, Adrienne Rich wrote of her that there was an undeniable sense of female power that came onto any platform along with Muriel Rukeyser. And you also have to understand that she had quite a range. She didn't just write about political witness, but she also wrote about being a woman, about sexuality. And some of her work is also quite witty. Um, She wrote, for example, a poem called Waiting for Icarus from the perspective of Icarus's wife. And she wrote also about Oedipus from the Sphinx's perspective. And I think in this way, she also foreshadows Carol Ann Duffy's poetry collection, The World's Wife, a collection of poems from the perspective of various famous men's wives. And those are also very witty poems. But yeah, she really did write a lot about some very difficult subject matter as well. And that's probably what she's best known for. Right. I mean, it is kind of ironic in a way that she wrote from a really marginalized perspective and kind of became marginalized in the same way after her death. You know, why isn't she as lauded as some of the other poets? Well, uh, she certainly doesn't um, enjoy the stature in the public mind as she deserves. She, you know, she had an enormous impact on individual students, but why she isn't read as much as, say, T.S. Eliot, I would put down to the fact that she was Jewish, she was a woman, and she was a left-leaning, outspoken political activist. She was a strong woman, and sometimes that um, irritates the patriarchy. <laughs> I mean, much of her work is also out of print, although collections um, have been edited by several different scholars um, in an effort to put her work in front of new readers. But I do think that there's also a sense that somehow a woman writing about war is unpalatable. And, you know, nobody would have dreamed of criticizing Ernest Hemingway as an outsider writing about the Spanish Civil War, though he wasn't a combatant. But somehow Rukeyser, as a witness, wasn't accorded the same respect and if she didn't attract hostility, she certainly did attract, I think, irritation. Some male critics uh, called her impassioned and emotional. I think that this often comes to women who speak with authority and intelligence about things that men perceive as being more their terrain than a woman's terrain. These things continue today. Last week, I read a piece in the American Poetry Review by Forrest Gander, where he was interviewing the poet Jack Gilbert. The conversation was recorded in the 1990s. But the attitude to women in this piece is, uh, I think, quite cringeworthy. And more importantly, during the course of the interview, um, Gilbert belittles and actually dismisses the work of another important poet and human rights activist writing now. Right, yeah, the debate over women's role in war is contentious even to this day. It's Mm -hmm. a debate we've had for 
decades, for centuries, even yes. though there have been, you know, female fighters for... Yes, it's like years. the female perspective is not the perspective, the correct perspective. It's it's a more get back into your lane, sister. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's why Letter to the Front is interesting because the front is obviously a war term and there's a lot going on in this poem and I feel like some context in advance mm-hmm. might be good. Of course. So um, what is the poem about in the broadest sense? You know, where... When was it written, for one? And what's the front that Rukeyser is, is writing to? Well, she wrote in one of her other poems, I lived in the first century of world wars. Um, Letter to the Front was published in 1944, when she was in her early 30s. So she touches on a number of different conflicts here in the first part of the 20th century. She makes references to being in Spain at the outbreak of the Spanish Civil War and also refers to World War Two and later... West Virginia and the Hawks Nest Tunnel disaster, which was the worst industrial disaster, one of the worst um, industrial disasters in the United States history, where hundreds of people lost their lives to lung disease. And in the seventh part, um, which might be the best known poem of the sequence, she writes about what it means to be a Jew in the 20th century. And she writes also about women and the moments of peace that uh, infiltrated even during times of war. And she also writes about journalists and newspaper people who she sees as being on the wrong side of history. No wonder the poem is so long. That's like everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, what about the form? You know, it is, I guess it's more fair to say that Letter to the Front is like a cycle mm-hmm. of poems because each one of them is is quite distinct and there are very different forms within it. There's a Sistina, there's a sonnet, there's a song within a poem, Mm -hmm. probably forgetting something else. It's very varied. Well, the thing is, I just want to say that she's drawing on these experiences. It is a lot, but she's drawing on them rather than directly reporting on them. Mm. So, you know, the best approach is to listen, not from an intellectual point of view. You know, what she wants you to do, I think, is to trust the authenticity of the feelings that you get from the poems. And, you know, she she would say you, that we shouldn't ask what we should be feeling, just feel what we do feel and trust our responses, you know. But um, maybe the fragmentary nature or the different kinds of poetic forms um, in the, of the various sections reflects the experiences of writing to the front because it's written from the extremity of human experience and the form shifts in order to suit the different modes of thought that she's expressing. I'm amazed at how, I don't know if you feel like this, but they don't feel dated, the poems. They feel very fresh. And, um, well, I don't think that I can really or, or should explain everything. I think that you have to allow a certain amount of it to wash over you, get into the feeling of it and listen with your heart. And then maybe upon rereading it, more things will become clear. Well, let's go ahead and listen to it, shall we? Yes. <laughs> Letter to the Front by Muriel Rukeyser 1. Women and poets see the truth arrive. Then it is acted out. The lives are lost and all the newsboys shout. Horror of cities follows and the maze of compromise and grief. The feeble cry defeat be my belief. All the strong agonised men where the hard clothes of war try to remember what they are fighting for.
but in dark, weeping, helpless moments of peace. Women and poets believe and resist forever. The blind inventor finds the underground river. 2. Even during war, moments of delicate peace arrive. Ceaseless the water ripples. Love speaks through the river in its human voices. Through every power to affirm and heal, the unknown world suggests the air and golden familiar flowers and the brief glitter of waves and dreams and leads me always to the real, even among these calendars of fire. Sings, there is much to fear but not our power. The stars turn over us. Let us not fear the many. All mortal intricacies tremble upon this flower. Let us not fear the hidden, or each other. We are alive in an hour whose burning face looks into our death, death of our flesh, gives us this moment when blue settles on rose and evening suddenly seems limitless silver. The cold wind streaming over the cold hill grasses remembers and remembers. Mountains lift into night, and I am remembering the face of peace. I have seen a ship lying upon the water rise like a great bird, like a lifted promise. 3. They called us to a change of heart, but it was not enough. Not half enough, not half enough for all their bargaining and their art. After the change of heart there comes the savage waste of battlefield. The flame of that wild battlefield rushes in fire through our rooms. The heart that comes to know its war when gambling powers try for place must live to wrestle for a place for every burning human care. To know a war begins the day ideas of peace are bargained for. Surrender and death are bargained for. Peace and belief must fight their way. Begin the day we change and so open the spirit to the world. Wars of the spirit in the world make us continually know we fight continually to grow. 4. Coming to Spain on the first day of the fighting, flame in the mountains and the exotic soldiers, I gave up ideas of strangeness. But now, keeping all I profoundly hoped for, I saw fearing travellers and the unprepared and the fast-changing foothills, the train stopped in a silver country. Coast water lit the valleys of this country. All mysteries stood human in the fighting. We came from far. We wondered, were they changing, our mild companions turning into soldiers? But the cowards were persistent in their fearing. Each of us narrowed to one wish he was keeping. There was no change of heart here. We were keeping our deepest wish, meeting with hope this country. 
The enemies among us went on fearing. The frontier was too far behind. This fighting was clear to us all at last. The belted soldiers vanished into white hills that dark was changing. The train stood naked in flowery midnight, changing all complex marvellous hope to war and keeping among us only the main wish and the soldiers. We loved each other, believed in the war. The country meant to us the arrival of the fighting at home. We began to know what we were fearing. As continents broke apart, we saw our fearing reflect our nation's fears. We acted as changing cities at home would act, with one wish fighting this threat or falling under it. We were keeping the knowledge of fiery promises. This country struck at our lives, struck deeper than its soldiers. Those who among us were sure became our soldiers. The dreams of peace resolved our subtle fearing. This was the first day of war in a strange country. Free Catalonia offered that day our changing ages hope and resistance, held in its keeping the war this age must win in love and fighting. This first day of fighting showed us all men as soldiers. It offered one wish for keeping, hope, deep fearing. Our changing spirits awake in the soul's country. 5. Much later, I lie in a white seaport night of gongs and mystery and bewildered mist, giving me a strange harbour in these white scenes, white rivers, my white dreams of peace. And a ship lifted up on a sign of freedom. Peace sharp and immediate as our winter stars, a blue sailor with a cargo of guitars. I saw a white ship rise as a peace was made in Spain, the first peace the world would not keep. The ship pulled away from the harbour where Columbus, standing on his black pillar, sees new worlds. And suddenly all the people at all the rails lifted their hands in a gesture of belief that climbs among my dreams like a bird flying until the world is lifted by one bird flying, an instant drawing to itself the world. 6. Home Thoughts from Home we read you every day, soldiers of distances. You wish most to be here, in the strange lands of war. I woke and thought of home. Remembering how war came, I wake and think of you, in the city of water and stone where I was born, my home of complex light. What we were fighting for in the beginning, in Spain, was not to be defined, more human than abstract, more direction than end. Terror arrived intact, lit with the tragic fire of hope before its time, tore us from lover and friend. We came to the violent act 
with all that we had learned. But now we are that home you dream across war. You fight, and we must go in poetry and hope, moving into the future that no one can escape. Peace will in time arrive, but war defined our years. We are like that young saint at the spring who bent her face over dry earth, the vision told her flowed, miring herself. She knew it was water, but for herself it was filth. Later, for all to come, following her faith, miraculous crystal ran. O saint, O poet, O wounded of these wars, to find life flowing from the heart of man. We hold belief. You fight and are maimed and mad. We believe, though all you want be bed with one whose mouth is bread and wine, whose flesh is home. 7. To be a Jew in the 20th century is to be offered a gift. If you refuse, wishing to be invisible, you choose death of the spirit, the stone insanity. Accepting, take full life, full agonies, your evening deep in the labyrinthine blood of those who resist, fail and resist, and God reduced to a hostage among hostages. The gift is torment, not alone the still torture, isolation, or torture of the flesh, that may come also, but the accepting wish, the whole and fertile spirit as guarantee for every human freedom, suffering to be free, daring to live for the impossible. 8. Evening bringing me out of the government building spills her blue air, her great Atlantic clouds over my hair reminds me of my land. My back to high stone and that man's golden bands who said of our time, which has only its freedom, I will not ever say for a free world, a better world or whatever it is, a man fights to win a war to hang on to what is his. Consider this man in the clothes of a commander. Remember that his fields is bottled fizz. Oh, the blue air and the night sound of heartbeats, planes or poems or dreams direct as prayer. The belief in the world, and we can stand with them, whoever clearly fights the order of despair. In spite of the fascist, malicioso king, contractor, businessman and publisher, who will hire a man to hire another man to hire someone to murder the man of strong belief. Look at him at the Radio City bar. Remember that he functions best as thief. Oh, the clouds and the towers are not enough to hide the little sneer at freedom, the whisper that art died. Here is the man who changed his name, the man who dyed his hair. One praises only his own birth, one only his own whore. 
unable to create or fight or commit suicide, will make a job of weakness, be the impotent editor, the sad and pathic bull always wishing he were the bullfighter. But we remember the changes that he made, screaming betrayed, he forever betrays. He alone is betrayed. They are all here in this divided time, dies the Inquisitor against the truth. Wheeler, Nye, Pegler, Hurst, each with his crews, McCormick, the representatives whose crime is against history, the state and love. I hold their dead skulls in my hand. This death worked against labour, women, Jews, Reds, Negroes. But our freedom lives to fight the war the world must win. The fevers of confusion's touch leap to confusion in the land. We shall grow and fight again. The sickness of our divided state calls to the anger and the great imaginative gifts of man. The enemy does his rigid work. We live fighting in that dark. Let all the living fight in proof they start the world this war must win. 9. Among all the waste, there are the intense stories and tellers of stories. One saw a peasant die. One guarded a soldier through disease. And one saw all the women look at each other in hope and came back saying, all things must be known. They come home to the rat-faced investigator who sneers and asks, who is your favourite poet? Voices of scissors and grinders asking their questions. How did you ever happen to be against fascism? And they remember the general's white hair, the food administrator, alone and full of tears. They come home to the powder plant at twilight, the girls emerging like discoloured shadows. But this is a land where there is time and time. This is the country where there is time for thinking. Is he a fellow traveller? No. Are you sure? No. The fear. Voices of claw hammers and spikes clinking. If they bomb the cities, they must offer the choice. Taking away the suns, they must create a reason. The cities and women cry in a frightful voice, I care not who makes the laws, let me make the suns. But look at their eyes, like drinking animals full of assurance and flowing with reward. The seeds of answering are in their voice. The spirit lives against the time's disease. You little children, come down out of your mothers and tell us about peace. I hear the singing of the lives of women, the clear mystery, the offering and pride. But hear also the orange lights of a bar and an old biddy singing inside. Rain and tomorrow more, they say, there will be rain. They lean together and tell the sorrow of the loin, telling each other, saying, but can you understand? They recount separate sorrows, throat, forehead, hand. 
On the bars and walls of buildings they passed when they were young. They vomit out their pain, the sorrow of the lung. Who would suspect it of women? They have not any rest. Sad dreams of the belly, of the lip, of the deep, warm breast. All sorrows have their place in flesh. All flesh will with its sorrow die. All but the patch of sunlight over, over the sorrowful, sunlit eye. 10. Surely it is time for the true grace of women emerging in their lives' colours, from the rooms, from the harvests, from the delicate prisons, to speak their promises. The spirit's dreaming delight and the fluid senses' involvement in the world. Surely the day's beginning in midnight, in time of war, flickers upon the wind. Oh, on the wasted midnight of our pain, remember the wasted ones, lost as surely as soldiers, surrendered to the barbarians, gone down under centuries of the starved spirit in desperate mortal midnight, with the pure throats and cries of blessing, the clearest fountains of mercy and continual love. These years know the separation. Oh, the future shining in far countries or suddenly at home in a look, in a season, in music freeing a new myth among the male steep landscapes, the familiar cliffs, trees, towers that stand and assert the earth, saying, Come here, come to me, here are your children. Not as traditional man, but love's great insight, your children and your song. Coming close to the source of belief, these have created resistance, the flowering fire of memory, given the bread and the dance and the breathing midnight. Nothing has been begun, no peace, no word of marvellous possible hillsides, the warm lips of the living who fought for the spirit's grace among despair, beginning with signs of belief offered in time of war, as I now send you for a beginning. Praise. If you are now inspired to read much more poetry by Muriel Rukeyser, uh, you can check out her Collected Works, which is very big and very unwieldy, but is in print. Or um, there's an edition of The Book of the Dead, which was put out in 2018, which I currently have on hold from my local library. We also have links in the show notes, both to the Read Me a Poem podcast, as well as some essays about Rukeyser's work, um, in particular, this really special video that Amanda shared with me of her reading her poem, Waiting for Icarus, which contains possibly the funniest line I've ever read. He said the wax was the best wax. We'll be back next week. Till then, take care and stay sharp. <laughs>